Welcome to the Decent Crypto Podcast. Today is Sunday, August 7th. We are live with another Decent Crypto Recap. Coming to you from Paris and New York City today. I'm here with Matthew Blumberg. Matt, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful Sunday here. Nice 25 degrees and sunny. Um, could could not be better. 25 degrees. Like what are you? Uh, what are you? Uh, Celsius reading Parisian now? <laughs> Celsius. Celsius degrees. I like. Look, there actually oh, is a case God. to be made for Fahrenheit, right? It has higher precision. So when you're setting a thermostat, it's like I know what. Like it's not that I don't know that I like it at 22 Celsius. It's just like easier. Like I can input 74.5 or whatever in fahrenheit uh and yeah like i'm a fucking psychopath i like it warm but uh you know like there's more precision uh next this question. is why people come <laughs> to the decent crypto podcast <laughs> for the fahrenheit versus for the celsius fahrenheit hot takes. <laughs> yes exactly no one exactly. in crypto wants to hear the word celsius uh, ever again <laughs> <laughs> uh you know there are some people who who might you know the people who are using a slope wallet uh they're oh. like yo these are my brothers in arms you know the <laughs> people who lost all their money um yeah r.i.p um not great uh well we not got something right. out of it everybody can blame solana again you know just <laughs> solana. uh even though there was not much much solana involvement but um you want to break it down here what what exactly happened what are we referring to uh people losing so, money again uh, yeah. Uh, so an another hack, hacks on hacks on hacks this week. Um, so uh, this was a big one because the way that it developed, it, it was difficult to know sort of what was even going on initially, right? Like a lot of these hacks is like, oh shit, the, you know, the, this DAO is like treasury has gone, <laughs> right? And it's like, all right, mm -hmm. like we know what happened, right? Um, it happened in this transaction. Here it was much slower and like much more decentralized. So, um, so we had about eight thousand wallets in total that started just getting assets siphoned out. Right. So uh, these are like Solana and then also SPLs, which is like the Solana ERC twenty. So like USDC and stuff. Um, and yeah, the very first sign was, of this was like this. Yeah, some guy tweeted out like, hey, there's a massive like exploit. There's a bunch of wallets that are just being drained of all their soul and all their SPL tokens. Be on the lookout. He posted, uh, I don't know what he posted, a couple transaction hashes. Um, and then people started looking into it, right? Like that's kind of what started the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and more and more people started getting affected and it was very unclear what the root source of it was, which makes it like very difficult to perform, you know, security stuff. Right. Uh, like the only clear thing was that like people who had their seed phrase generated by a hardware wallet and had their assets on a hardware wallet, they weren't getting impacted. Uh, but, uh, like, you know, how it is in crypto, like, you know, it's very convenient to just have one address. Right. Um, and so you got a mm -hmm. lot of people that have like, you know, a wallet somewhere and then they have like the mobile wallet and like, um, initially the, uh, the, the sort of takeaway was that a lot of people thought it was something called a supply chain attack. So when you write mm -hmm. software, like you don't write every part of it, right? Like you import libraries and stuff. Um, and, uh, and there was suspicion initially that like maybe one of the libraries was sending private keys to an attacker. Uh, and so, and it sort of it's seemed like some like, kind of dependency, like yeah, some, some kind of dependency, dependency that they were, they were importing something on. and yeah. And like that, that library like was malicious, uh, in reality, mm. it was even worse. So, um, in, in reality, what happened was slope wallet was sending logs and these logs contained the private keys or seed phrases in an unencrypted format. So every time you open the wallet, it's sending like analytics, you know, to slopes so that they can see like, oh, this, this user opened their wallet and like did something with it. Um, and like, you know, Solana, like pretty like mobile forward. Um, and so like that, that way complicated, like the, the level of analytics you had to do to like figure this out. Um, but I mean, you can see like there was a good tweet where some guy like posts like, look at the fucking log here. And it's like innocuous enough, mm -hmm. but it's like, you know, user ID this, right? Like wallet that, like action, send soul, uh, like private key. 
this is an unencrypted private key. And uh and this so fucking how did blows my mind. Hmm? How how did that like private key actually show up on the transaction itself, right? Like on the it, blockchain. It wasn't right? getting logged on chain. It was getting logged in like the web two like analytics that the the wallet app was sending back to like to home base. So slope HQ and is so getting all this these guy... activity logs and the activity logs contained unencrypted private keys which is like first okay, okay. Like, and so you shouldn't be sending private keys at all for any reason right like that was like yes. my ether wallet had this figured out back in the day they were like we don't store shit okay <laughs> like we can't help yeah. you if you lose your shit but like we're not going to store shit like come on um and uh and so okay so wait how uh, did this guy find the logs exactly like how did he find their website logs like he was just looking at the site and like inspecting so, the source code or what exactly happened there uh so he must have like the hacker must have either gained access to slope wallets like database or else slope wallet was sharing their logs with like a partner um or like hosting their logs on like aws or something and like they gained access that way um or i mean even the guy sense? who posted the the screenshots on twitter oh, like not uh, even the hacker yeah yeah uh so yeah it's effectively inspect source right uh like yeah, you can, okay, okay. You can set up a proxy so your laptop logs every http request that like your phone sends um so and, it was just that simple like anybody could have just yeah. done this by looking at their website huh anybody could have figured out what was going on yeah by like by like watching the network activity as they did shit on on the app hmm. um i mean really Interesting. okay really, so then really what bad was... practice yeah so what was kind of the outcome of this? Uh, let's talk about some of the uh, the spillover effects here. So 8,000 8, wallets-ish affected, yeah. right? For for about Most of them uh, $8 Solana million wallets. total. Uh, $8 million yeah, but, drained. Uh, but there were a few ETH wallets where, like, if you reused mm -hmm. a private key or a seed phrase across, like, two platforms so if you use slope wallet say to generate a private key and then you imported that into like metamask or something or you know like if you have a 12 word seed phrase like that's a 12 word seed phrase regardless of which front end you're mm -hmm. using so it turns out that actually like uh, a small subset of people were using the same seed phrase to generate wallets on solana on ethereum uh on wherever so those people also got their ethereum assets drained which is not not great you know um, this is like this is a concern I've had for all time. And then it's like a completely irrelevant, pointless concern. But it's like, let's say I generate a random seed phrase with 12 random words. And I know this is why you should use 24, right? But it's like, I use 12 random words and they just happen to be 12 random words that somebody else has already generated a wallet with or vice versa, right? Like somebody generates a new, uh, you know, a private key with a seed phrase, 12 words that I already have. I have a ton of assets in there. And they just now have access to everything in that wallet. Um, I know it's a pretty irrelevant thing, but now <laughs> seeing something like this, it's like, well, if people are using the same seed phrases across chains, um, first of all, not great security practice. You don't want to do that. Yeah, don't um, do that. But it's just scary to see. So what happened to all of these people's funds exactly? Are they just gone forever? They, they were sent to, I think the hacker had four or five addresses and like the funds just went there. And like, I don't think Solana has like a tornado cash equivalent. I don't think it has like a mixer. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with these funds. Like, do they just stay locked? Do they get sent to some, you know, non-KYC exchange that like might be cool with like handling these funds? It's anyone's guess, um, but I, I think they're just well, nobody right can now. read the Solana block explorer anyway, so it's not like that matters, right? Yeah, I mean, um, look, uh, Slope yeah, was logging yeah, but... too much, but the Solana transaction logs are pretty crap. So you know, maybe maybe there's something to be said for these devs, right? Um, no one can can read the Solana um, block explorer; okay. like it's so bad. <laughs> so how are um, like different kinds of groups handling this? What what is what is kind of you know the response been from the Solana community, the Slope Wallet team, um, any other folks that were um, you know like kind of involved in this ecosystem really at all? Like, there's been quite a bit of chatter around this. Like, this has been one of the more notable, I would say, exploits of the year of the last you know 
12 months. Um, yeah. What, what I mean, would be some of the more notable takeaways? Right. So Slope themselves came out and said, hey, guys, we have like a, a rough read on what we think might have happened. Click here to read it. And then they posted a Google Doc, uh, which is like, don't click random Google Docs, right? Like that's just like a, a baseline security practice. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. Uh, and then I guess, I mean, I didn't click the Google Doc because it's a basic security practice. But um, uh, I guess like they're handling of it was pretty poor and they like didn't really do a good job of expressing what happened. Um, and so people were kind of upset with that. The Phantom team, uh, I guess, was just up all night trying to like check and double check that like they weren't the source of the exploit, uh, which eventually they were not. Uh, the Ledger team used this as like a chance to go on a big marketing campaign, which is like pretty fair. Uh, like that's don't just do this, their move. Dude. Get a Ledger, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Like which obviously would have saved you. I right? saw a sponsored uh, post on Twitter is like promoted by Ledger. We Oof. didn't get hacked. Great. Um, yeah, I mean the these ledgers are great. I just got I just got my first one uh, like a couple months back, and it's like they're they're whoa, just whoa, really whoa, high quality whoa. hardware. Whoa, 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 whoa! What's this shilling going on here? <laughs> they're great products. You're in France uh, now. You're shilling. You're shilling this French French hardware company. Leger. Um, <laughs> Leger. <laughs> Um, it's from the Leger region of France. Um, okay. So, um, so now, so this there is, was here's one, one, here's one response that I thought was really interesting to all of this. Right. So yeah. someone out there was like trying to do a little sleuthing. Right. And, um, and so they, they did something that I thought was extremely interesting. They sent the hackers wallet and NFT. Okay. And the NFT, like, you know how NFTs, they have, um, they have metadata, right? And like, there's a field for like, uh, like, you know, where the image URL is. And that is usually hosted yeah, on IPFS, yeah. but it can, it can be hosted on any server, right? Um, mm -hmm. They hosted an image on their server and logged all of the network activity that requested to view that JPEG, Okay. So they send an NFT and the image file is hosted on their server and they can see who, like which Who's IP addresses and are requesting this. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh -huh. they can see, uh, there's something called a user agent uh, in like HTTP requests, like headers. And okay. they can see when the user agent is phantom. And that would only happen if you're opening your wallet and your wallet pulls a little preview of the nft to like show because you know phantom has like nft support right um, and they're like this this is I the hacker's see. ip address and it's not even a vpn wow okay so they found it they actually did find it they got the ip address and i guess reported it to like authorities um and Whoa. so we'll see we'll see what comes from that but isn't that fascinating um, that's pretty and it's amazing like, i had man, no I idea get airdropped all happened. sorts of random fucking bullshit nfts right uh and it's like how many of them are just like uh, like uh empire had a really good take on this they were talking about this this aspect of the hack and they're like nfts are the cookies of web3 mm -hmm. absolutely yeah, yeah they for sure are uh i mean like lens protocol which we talked about last week uh is basically building that exact thing just like different types of cookies that follow you around and, and like build like a social graph based off of that right um yeah now imagine but, yeah imagine they can also like be used in potential. this malicious way yeah yeah you yeah. can get someone's oh, ip yeah, address that, that and then based on the ip address you can advertise to them right like you see mm -hmm. that they have like a kith friends nft in their wallet and for everybody with a kith friends you airdrop them some bullshit garbage nft that logs their ip address and then ip addresses are commonly used for like advertising profiles already right like i have a friend who like mm -hmm. was getting her boyfriend a birthday present and it was going to be a surprise but then he started getting ads for the product because she looked at the website on his home wi-fi and then he starts getting ads for it he's like i bet she ordered me one of these and she did um it was like pretty mm. pretty fucking wild so ip addresses are already being used to build like user profiles and then you know you can tie it all together with like cookies right um and and so all of a sudden there's an advertiser that knows that like your browser ha is 
you know, is being used by someone that has whatever NFT, they can start advertising, you know, if you own Kith friends, maybe they start advertising Supreme stuff to you or I don't know, because you're into like, you're into fashion. Um, cookie, yeah. or NFTs yeah. are the cookies of Web3. All right, NFTs are the cookies of Web3. We need to make that like a, a sticker or something. Um, <laughs> all right. Pretty crazy. Anything else you want to hit on? This? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a really cool like way to – like that's something I had never seen before in like a white hat situation or, or even a black hat situation. But it's cool that they, they were able to pick up on that and, uh, and yeah, like report it to the authorities or whatever. Um, is yeah, there I any mean, other maybe thing, you don't want an NFT support in your wallet for privacy reasons, right? It's, I mean, it's super so I was going to say right, like, there's, like, yeah, like I was going to say like, there's a really good, uh, use case for like the wallet being like the browser, right. Um, of this, this web three, right. If that's the case, if NFTs are cookies, right. Then the wallet is really your browser and like your gateway to everything. Right. So I think wallet tech needs to be really improved and made uh, just also like cooler. And like, that's why I'm like semi bullish on the Solana phone. Um, but anyways, a lot of people are bullish on the Solana uh, phone anything else as you want to hit of this. Yeah. Because yeah, the yeah, Solana yeah. phone yeah, right? has this like, like built like... in, like, you know, secure enclave, right? Where like your exactly. privacy are actually yeah. stored. And so the mm -hmm. like wall, like the reason Ledger would save you from this attack is that the private keys are never actually known by the browser extension wallet right the wallet never gets that mm -hmm. all it gets is like all it can do is request signing of a transaction and get the signed transaction right, right? just uh, read the signatures or, or like the signed transaction yeah yeah um and so like yeah i don't know look my broad takeaway is don't fucking fuck around with plain text private keys come on <laughs> this is absurd this is like the most amateur hour shit i've ever seen in my entire life i cannot believe there was an organization mm -hmm. of people working in the crypto space that were doing any any handling of users private keys let alone unencrypted plain text private keys and transferring them over any kind of network this is the most absurd fucking story i've ever heard um and yeah like, i mean it's yeah. just it's very generally bad practice to be storing users' private keys, right? Like, is there any way that users could have known about this or, like, would have known that their private keys are being stored by this company? I mean, you'd have to inspect all your network requests the way that eventually it was figured out that, like, this happened. But, like, you know, you shouldn't have to do that, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Um, like, wallets shouldn't be doing anything with users private keys other than holding them encrypted locally right uh at mm -hmm. the very most if you don't have like a hardware wallet um yeah you know so like i don't know i just think like when it comes to this sort of thing i think that it really lends itself toward like a relatively centralized mode of operation uh like metamask is the default everyone uses it for a reason Right. Um, and it, like if MetaMask were doing this, they would have enough users that somebody would randomly be inspecting, especially now they'd be randomly inspecting the network traffic that's getting sent to make sure that like this isn't happening there. Slope wallet, yeah. meanwhile, like this, this hack only, you know, only 8,000 wallets were drained, which is like, okay, like obviously that, that sucks for those 8,000 people, but like, that's not a lot of users, right? Like, what is the VC no, it's, that's funded Slope Wallet thinking? They're like, you told us 2 million monthly active users. How come they only got 8,000 private keys, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I did not even think about that. Yeah, I'm sure Slope, well, yeah, Slope is wrecked no matter what. But yeah, Slope's, uh, Slope's metrics are probably going to take a reality check. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Okay. So if, yeah, get off a of Slope migrate your shit like if you're worried that like if you've been using the same seed phrase in multiple places like just get a new one if it wasn't you know like a i would say there is actually ledger yeah i would say there is a really important takeaway for our listeners for us too just as a general kind of practice looking at this from a security perspective and looking at what matt just said about nfts are the cookies of web3 you should operate 
going forward with that mindset that NFTs are the cookies of Web3, right? And just imagine what cookies are used for in Web2 or just in, just in the internet broadly, right? And imagine now that that applies to Web3 and to every application that you use that you allow to have access to your wallet that you, uh, you know, you give permission to to access your wallet. Um, and just think about all of the crazy hacks and exploits that have already happened in the crypto space and that have happened in the internet era beforehand, right? Now have all of that in your head and then think about with your one access point to everything being your wallet, just have all of that in mind before you put real funds into it, right? Like this should be something that's a... It's a hot wallet, right? Like people say, use the term hot wallet all the time. You shouldn't be having your life savings on there, right? You should just be having a little bit of play money, really just a little bit of money that you can use to actually like play around with the applications that you want to use, that you want to try. If you want to buy a couple of, you know, random, uh, you know, NFTs or, you know, just you want to be playing around. You want to try stuff. You want to experiment that is how to look at these hot wallets that are interacting with you know web3 applications directly um you know the way the space is moving is much more of this kind of rebuilding the traditional internet type of uh model right and uh and obviously there's there's different value adds there's different kind of incentives all of this right but that's the way that the space is moving towards and this previous kind of ideology or this like the way people treated their wallets beforehand was just like dump all your funds into there and like now it's just you just do not want to be doing that um so yeah that's my uh, 90 second rant on uh wallet security and best practices uh hope you can, enjoy. We, can we take one little tiny aside uh because every time there's a hack people talk of about course. disconnect metamask from whatever site Yes, let's do the uh, I want to hear I want to hear your hot take. Does that do anything? Uh well, not after the fact. Uh yeah, but like say you're not hacked yet and there's an exploit mm -hmm. on some bridge or I don't know, uh like some protocol like say some website was malicious and you were about to click mint but then someone's like, "Yo, this is a scam mint. Don't mint that." But you're already connected. Mm -hmm. Are you at risk? Mm. -hmm. Mm. I mean, you're probably at risk still. Yeah. I mean, like you, I, I would say like wallet. you should definitely, you know, I don't know. You probably are at some risk. Like you, if you've already connected wallet once, you probably are at some risk, but I mean, you still want to revoke permissions. Uh, yeah, you haven't, you haven't created any permissions and this is the key difference that I'm driving at. A lot of people say you need to disconnect your wallet from every site in case one of them got compromised. Like say Uniswap got compromised, right? Uh, we've mm -hmm. like, uh, we've all like approved Uniswap router to like receive to, you know, to request tokens from us or whatever. So yeah, you should revoke your approvals, right? But connecting wallet uh, doesn't do anything. All it does is, I mean, you should read when you click connect, like what it's asking permission to do, but it can't sign things for you, right? All it can do is suggest transactions for you to sign. So as long as you're careful when you sign stuff, which is always the time to be careful, right? And like pause and think and read every, like no matter what transaction it is, right? You should always be reading what you're signing before you sign it as as much as you possibly can yeah right double checking the address that you're interacting with etc right like metamask has a contact book not because it has like an address book not because like it's to hold like your friend's wallet so you can send them shit it's actually for security really is the is the feature here uh so when you're clicking like sign something and you're interacting with the uniswap router for example like you can see, yeah, this is the same Uniswap router that I've always interacted with. And then when it's not the Uniswap router, if like they get compromised, like and you don't click sign. But connecting or disconnecting your wallet, yeah. closing your browser isn't going to change anything, right? Like if your private keys are leaked, you're fucked, yeah, so right? And, uh, and if you don't sign something malicious and your private keys are yours, then you're okay. It's the signature. So the main thing step. you want to be concerned with is the the permissions, right? Like revoking access, right, to certain applications, right? You still want to do that, but 
you don't need to disconnect your wallet to every application. You want to be careful when you're actually signing transactions. Yeah, exactly. Uh, connecting, disconnecting the wallet we are now does not put a you a wallet risk. security podcast. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for indulging. Good me, call so. out. Because <laughs> every time there's uh, a hack, people are like, "Oh, you gotta, on the river you gotta disconnect Paris. your wallet from this browser." It's like, bro. That's that doesn't change anything, right? If you're if you're wrecked, yeah. you're. I do wrecked. think people get, yeah, people get confused by the terminology of like you know approvals and just connecting wallet for sure. Um, yeah, you know this is maybe like a deep dive. You know, wallet security. Um, yeah, yeah coming to you live. Yeah. Wallet mm-hmm. hygiene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wallet hygiene. All right, let's move on from wallet hygiene to America's favorite segment. The FOMO of the week, Matt. There's a lot of FOMO, man. This one hits home. This one hits Ugh. hard, uh, both for you and for me. Uh, let's <laughs> set the stage here. You know, one of, one of the uh, <laughs> one of the bigger one of the bigger announcements uh, of the week. Your former employer and my current employer announcing a great, beautiful partnership. Uh, BlackRock and coinbase blackrock is the biggest asset manager in the world larry fink uh is he still he's still ceo right Duh. oh yeah, uh, yeah what one of the most powerful humans on the planet um <clears throat> just uh announced a deal with coinbase to allow their institutional customers to have uh to access custody and um trading services uh, through Aladdin, which is a product that BlackRock offers for their institutional clients. And they're going to be using Coinbase Prime Broker uh, to accomplish that. So uh, pretty big partnership here. Um, BlackRock has historically not offered these services uh to any other clients i don't think like very select clients i think there was like a private wealth group maybe that they offered it to initially but um not too broadly um so this is by far the biggest announcement they've made biggest foray they've made into crypto um i mean you and i remember in 2017 when larry fink said uh bitcoin was an index for money laundering dude larry fink has some really really crazy quotes like um I mean, not as crazy as like Charlie Munger, but uh, pretty, pretty good <laughs> stuff out there. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, you know, like, dude, like BlackRock, eventually it was like, look, man, their clients are going to be asking for this. I'm sure they've been asking for this for many years. And it was just the regulatory approvals thing. Um, whereas I'm sure yeah. BlackRock has, yeah, I can't even imagine how big BlackRock's army of like lobbyists and uh i don't know like homies who deal with regulators this is like just so not my world so i don't know what even goes on but uh yeah it's it's cool to see and especially like you know the coinbase prime broker team like you know i know a few of those guys like really solid dudes um it's a big deal for coinbase too like uh so this is let's get into the fomo now um coinbase stonk um up what like 75% 75% on the day of the announcement. Wow. Um, what a shit coin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Straight shit coin, man. Pumped from like the 60, 70 range to like above 100 bucks. Um, st- still held up pretty well. It's like in the 90 range now. So, yeah. Uh, not financial advice. I speak for my own. From my own uh, from my own head, not from my employer. <laughs> um, yada, yada, yada. Um but uh, yeah, you know, interesting stuff. I obviously did, didn't buy any Coinbase stock. Like, who would have bought Coinbase stock? Like, who 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 buys Coinbase stock? Actually, it was more a little bit invoked to sell Coinbase stock up until about a week ago. <laughs> um, Kathy Wood, I mean, right? Like selling the exact bottom. Yeah. Oof, that's uh, she, so painful. Yeah, yeah. I saw Kobe say this. He's like, "Yeah, Kathy Wood formed the bottom. Like, she was the bottom. Uh, yeah. was like, she was literally the last seller." Um, Oof. I mean, uh, I don't know, man. Like, it's probably worth it's still just a little shit bit on, Coinbase, on what, but... what Aladdin is, uh, just to like put it into perspective. Is like, it? why, why, the, why does this matter? Why does this exist? Right. Um, 
So sure. Aladdin is like basically the the information management tool for for a lot of like financial advisors, right? So if you like have a little bit of if you're like a if you're a boomer and you have a little cash and you have a home, and you like you know maybe you already paid off your mortgage, so you're buying some you're like you have a nest egg. You entrust that nest egg to some financial advisor uh, because he's I don't know who your grandma used or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and that financial advisor needs a way of keeping track of client portfolios. And that's what Aladdin is for. It's primarily just for like analytics, right? It handles a lot of things. Like it's, it's an enormously multifaceted tool. It can handle trade execution and all sorts of stuff, but it really is just meant to like replace like the need for that financial advisor to manage a hundred different spreadsheets. They just input whatever trades they make into Aladdin. Uh, and so that's why this is such a big deal because, when your financial advisor, when you ask them, hey, I'd like to put a couple percent of my portfolio into Bitcoin, um, they really didn't want to do that for you before because then it was like a huge amount of overhead work for them, right? Handling report generation, right? Like when they're tracking like how much assets you have, when they're handling, you know, regulatory stuff, like how much taxes you owe, right? Uh, mm -hmm. All of this stuff is like taken care of for them by Aladdin. Uh, and I like, mean, that's custody why they, that's is why the they big one too. Uh, yeah, yeah custody, custody huge, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, no financial and so, advisor is going to want to manage custody for crypto assets on behalf of Hopefully they don't use slow wallet. We literally <laughs> just talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, okay. So, so, it's so a yeah, deal, right? okay. Because you used it opens to work the door to make it really easy to add crypto to a client allocation portfolio, right? Like you're like, all right, like I've been meaning to get a little Bitcoin on the book, but like I don't know what this grayscale thing is, right? And it was like my only access before. So, you know, buy the dip and like allocate a little bit and it's easy. It takes a few clicks. I just mm -hmm. call up my guy at Coinbase or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or BlackRock now, right? Oh, you're saying like, well, because I think like the idea is to not even have, like, it's going to be like a white label thing. Um, it's not even going to be like a Coinbase thing. I think it's literally just like you're only interfacing with Aladdin. I, th I thought it was more like, um, I, I think clients need to be both clients of Aladdin and Coinbase Pro or Coinbase Prime uh, in order to yeah. take advantage oh, interesting. Of, of this. Yeah, like I don't like... BlackRock isn't like a isn't a trading desk, right? Like they're not a, they're not a broker, uh, so like when you're buying, you know, a hundred shares of the S and P five hundred ETF, uh, you might be executing that by clicking a button in Aladdin, but it's actually getting executed like through some broker, uh, like you know, like Bamel is executing it for you. And then they uh, handle like the, the custody and like securities lending and all of that. So, but um, in that case, right, like your cl the client wouldn't have to be registered through BAML, would they? Uh, they may be. Yeah, they have to. They okay. have to be a BAML client, right? Uh, it's not like they see it on behalf of. Like, it's not like they see BlackRock placing this trade on behalf of the client. They they are like also directly like in contact with with the financial advisor. Um, Interesting. So the, the FA needs a relationship with the broker as well, which like Coinbase mm. is effectively acting as here, the, the huh. prime broker. Yeah. Right, right. Huh. That's interesting because the Coinbase Prime product is generally like not geared toward like financial advisors as their target client, right? Yeah, um, it's geared toward like hedge funds, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, like hedge funds. Yeah, or like, yeah, just big, yeah, like big, big institutions. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, man, Coinbase has been looking for a win for a long time. So uh, <laughs> good to see anything happen there. Uh, yeah, points on the board, Coinbase. <laughs> yeah, points on the board, dude. NFT putting up big points on the board and now this. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> bullish. Uh, FOMO of the week, man. Coinbase up, what, like 75% just yesterday or Friday, Friday. Um, yeah. All right. What is your FOMO of the week, Matt? Oh, my film of the week. Um, another another hot one from from last year. Flow, flow blockchain. Flow blockchain. Yeah. Um, All right. What happened man. this week? <laughs> so flow blockchain. Uh, you may know them as the uh, the creators uh, and like hosts of Dapper Labs, like uh, Top Shot. 
uh yeah yeah right. like vice uh, versa D dapper yeah, labs created sorry. flow uh and oh, okay, top shot right. is uh, hosted on the flow blockchain yeah yeah uh um, so it, instagram announced this week that they were going to support flow based nfts uh lord suck baby <laughs> and like look like flow didn't really have a lot of catalysts right uh and i guess this was big enough news for them that the token was up 44 percent on the day uh nice <laughs> strong yeah pretty interesting right almost um, as much of a shit coin as coinbase <laughs> no love for flow i mean i know a lot of people that have traded a lot of stuff i don't know anyone that's ever bought or sold any flow <laughs> um only people that do top shot that's oh, basically okay, it yeah. huh uh yeah or people that got in like super early i actually know a few people from my old job that like made a ton of money off flow but really? uh yeah, I don't know people who are actively like trading this. You know, <laughs> I guess that's flow why is one of the. I'm sure there was no liquidity in the market, right? Like that's probably right. why it was up 24 yeah. percent, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, with stuff like this, I think it's been around for so like flow itself has been around for so long, like five years almost, that the supply is probably, uh, you know, like mostly been distributed out, and you know the people who are holding are just like just long-term believers at this point right um yeah or and it, you could say that it, <laughs> yeah or they're well yeah um or like you could also make the argument that it is kind of a utility token in the sense that like you have to have this thing to buy top shots or buy whatever else um yeah um yeah you know, be i don't know to see, I, personally i'm curious to see if top shot sees any kind of revival from the instagram support of the flow blockchain right uh because top shot basically fell off the face of the earth uh like you know uh at least like yeah. i haven't heard anything about it in forever ever no right? um mm -hmm. yeah it's true uh would has Instagram made any announcements about like what the actual plans are? Not not too much, so. right? Just like they're gonna like enable. They, they've sort of broadly said like what you would expect Instagram to say. Like we're gonna enable artists to like mint NFTs and like for users to like show off NFTs. Uh, you know, I'd assume it like looks somewhat similar to like the Twitter model, where like you can log in with your MetaMask mobile or whatever and like sign it sign some sign a message that you know that they can use to verify that like you own this wallet um and then like you can display your nfts i guess on your story or your feed or whatever i feel like they have a pretty good opportunity here uh i don't know if flow is i don't know i feel like the chain they use is kind of irrelevant to be honest but i feel like they have yeah, a decent opportunity right? yeah mm -hmm. uh, yeah yeah, it's interesting, right? Because there's so much cool art out there. And Instagram actually is mm -hmm. a great platform for, for artists and creators. Uh, for creators, it's like unmatched, right? I guess TikTok is eating their lunch from what I hear. I'm not on either platform. Yeah, I'm sure. But, I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. TikTok yeah. yet. <laughs> if, <laughs> not yet. If any of our listeners are below the age of uh, 22... Uh, definitely let us know what's U24. going on in the world. This is a whole demographic. TikTok. The U24. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. The 18 to 24 demographic. Spotify tells us that there are some. Um, so if you're out there, please hit us up. We want to know what's going on with the youths. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's go let's go to another hack. Uh, another hack. That was um, the FOMO um, of the week. Um, gonna, all right, I'm Matt. What's this? This is your FOMO, dude. <laughs> okay yeah yeah sure um, um honestly wait, i think you look fine dude I... <laughs> you think so <laughs> no no yeah i think I feel you like look, it look fine, like matt from it's... the shadows <laughs> <laughs> look dude look you know this is this is light and dark you know this is duality of man i, I just need like a um <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> shadowy super um, yeah no no <laughs> um, uh no it's good it's good we'll go right, grainy cool, today cool. you know um yeah, so so this this hack uh, from Nomad. Uh, can you explain to us what happened here? Uh, yeah. Uh, first question: Have you used the Nomad Bridge? Absolutely not. 
so Nomad was the uh, was the primary bridge for EVMOS, right? Uh, which was like the Cosmos based like EVM compatible blockchain, uh, and mm-hmm. the whole thing was kind of teed up as like it was going to have a lot of airdrops on it, um, which yeah, is like a narrative that in the bear I mean, market, like people will it will gain you like people will talk about it, right? But uh, but it doesn't mean that like. It's not bullish. I mean, they blundered right? the airdrop itself so badly. Like the they, actual they did. EVM they, they blundered the actual the launch of the chain to be yeah, uh, to the point where they had to pause it and then like redo it again like a few like days restart, later. Restart, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not auspicious. <laughs> um, so Nomad was like the primary bridge there, uh, and they they also handled like a bunch of other chains, uh, and. Uh, they had an issue where they pushed a new piece of code to their smart contract. Um, and this is like something that I find really interesting because I guess it was audited, but then like you don't necessarily get every new change to the contract audited, right? Um, and so this was like an unaudited like change to the contract, uh, like upgrade, right? And why was there like any kind of uh rationale sure behind kind of that gas decision. efficiency or something I'm, I'm not actually sure why they ch- why they changed it but like people are re-architecting stuff all the time right like so seaport like, no i guess i mean contract, like why would they be like 1.1 but if it's going to go to 1.2 at some point right yeah but like why did they not get it audited do they not audit hassle. every single the, like the, upgrade the lead time yeah, well the yeah. lead time on audits at one point was like 18 months i think uh i know but that's come like, down quite a bit it has, yeah. I was talking to someone who works in the space uh, the other day. He's like, "Yeah, we can get you in on like an EVM compatible audit for like solidity for in like two months, uh, depending on the size of the project." Uh, Solana, like three months. Um, it seemed like he really knew what he was doing, so maybe he's faster than most. But um, uh, you know, you're just trying to deploy like a change or two here, and like you know how it goes, like. You know, really, I mean, are you really going to put on your helmet to ride your city bike three blocks? Like, I mean, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely Uh, not, man. So um, it just so happens that at the end of these three blocks, this was the road to hell. (laughs) Um, so, uh, So what they did was they pushed an update that accidentally made it so that, uh, it returned true for everything basically so there's a there's a function in the contract that checks the validity of a user's attempt to withdraw assets from the from the bridge right and usually mm-hmm. like there would be like a permissioned set of withdrawals that are allowed to occur so the way this would work is on the EVMOS side you would send it to eth and it would then add a transaction to, or it would add, uh, it would add like uh, to the to its like allowable list of transactions. It would say, this address can now withdraw to ETH, right? Um, does that make sense? Yeah. So, so it's basically just going to allow anything that that it's asked to do. Yeah, uh, and this is related to a, like a quirk of Solidity where um, if you take if you look for something in Solidity that's not there. Like if you ask it for like, say we have like a, like a dictionary, like Python style, right. Or like a mapping of like key to value. So like how much ETH does Gron have on this bridge? Gron one, Matt 1.5. If you look for a key that's not there, it will just return zero. And they were using zero as like a true value or like a success value, which like you really should never do. Like you have to be really careful because uh solidity doesn't error when you look for a key that's not there it just returns zero uh and so they they like introduced this bug that basically made it so that anyone trying to withdraw anything could do it successfully um and you yeah there, there was some kind of uh there was some kind of thing where like you needed it to look like a transaction that had happened before or something uh so like withdrawing like like 10 wrapped bitcoin or something was one that like a lot of people did uh and so basically what people started doing was uh i I don't know why but the hacker must have like fumbled on their execution here because they sent one transaction to like test it right and then that set off like red flags like yo wait nomad is like under collateralized on the ethereum side relative to the assets that are issued on the evmos side uh, and then everyone's like, ah, shit, Nomad's getting hacked. And they're like, wait a second, it's not like drained yet, though. And it's like, oh, man, 
anyone can submit any transaction actually and all you have to do is change the attacker's address to your address and you'll get whatever quantity of assets uh so if you see some transaction where the attacker withdrew 10 bitcoin or 10 rat bitcoin or 10 eth or like a hundred thousand usdc you can play that but with your address and you just sign that transaction and your address is not receiving the funds um because like anything, so is that what anything people did? Goes, uh, that's what people did and a lot of people did it um it was so it wasn't one hacker stealing stealing was, the 190 it one, million it was, it was a ton one of hacker people. and then it like went into like a free-for-all yeah it was a ton of people and a lot of them were uh like there was one guy you know watermelon 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 dot eth uh and uh and this dude's like yo i know this address is doxed this was a white hat like i was like come on guys <laughs> like it's in my fucking twitter handle which has my real name in it like i'm not like you know like what do you what do you think i'm that dumb that i'm trying to like steal shit like no i'm gonna send it back to the nomad team once they like get the shit patched up right uh and so yeah so they've actually, recovered like, a few few percent of the funds but yeah yeah some like five percent of the funds so nine million of the 190 million have been returned <laughs> yeah. uh <laughs> not great uh <laughs> better better than most hacks yeah. um but Working yeah it was, it, just yeah. A, it was just a fucking free-for-all over the span of hours it wasn't like I mean, I was looking, I was like, why is gas so high? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, is there a fucking mint going? Like, what the fuck? Like, I was just, I was trying to like swap some ETH or USDC, like one way or the other. And I was like, what the actual, I'll just fucking send it to Coinbase, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Uniswap's going to charge me 30 bucks. That's, that's like, you know, it's like, I've paid more, but <laughs> I've paid a lot less recently. <laughs> that's a super fascinating hack because normally you don't see a bunch of, uh, you know, retail getting in you know this yeah. is like a... <laughs> it, it was a real uh, free-for-all funny absolutely yeah. wild wow. yeah um so like what, picturing what a I jailbreak find, like, situation yeah real jail real jailbreak it was uh somebody posted a tweet where it's a video of someone with like a big box full of bread <laughs> and there, it's like on the sidewalk in new york and the pigeons start going at it or something um and it's like yeah like live feed of the nomad bridge hack and it's just like mm. everybody everybody's getting a slice um like uh i saw one interesting thing which was like yo be careful because in the u.s you can get taxed on stolen goods did you know this in the u.s stolen goods are taxable income if you steal shit Dude, that's <laughs> you still have taxes on it which is like yeah <laughs> i mean they were saying that about sports betting for the longest time where it's like Oh, uh, even though sports gambling is illegal, if you make any money, you got to report. <laughs> That's right. amazing. Uh, good thing I only lose. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so what I find really interesting about this is it highlights that bridges are like, come the fuck on. Like, I don't know why this was the one where everybody was like, oh, yeah, bridges are dangerous, huh? Um, and yeah, uh, so like... Hmm? Yeah, like what happened like with Ave, right? Like Ave is an example of a, a company responding in a completely dramatic fashion here. Ave super interesting, right? So there's a proposal on the Ave governance forum now to shut down the Ave like protocols operations on the Phantom blockchain because Phantom itself is reliant like fully reliant on any swaps bridge as a way of getting assets to or from the chain. Yeah. Um and so they're like, look, like we're not earning that much in fees and we're exposing ourselves to a lot of risk here. Like maybe, maybe we shouldn't be deployed on Phantom. It's like maybe we were a little too overzealous with like the multi-chain future back in the day, right? So uh, is it mostly like with Phantom and any swap specifically, is it just because it's only one trusted bridge that lets you get in and out that's causing I mean, them this concern? Look, that definitely magnifies it, right? Uh, but like, I'm sure Synapse handles some volume on Phantom, right? So that's uh, my thing. It's like, why why did they pick out Phantom here? I think AnySwap is by far the biggest, though. I think it I okay. think it really is like a key key bridge risk, right? Like, I mean, Harmony, right? <laughs> like Harmony bridge gets yeah, hacked. Yeah. Like uh, anything deployed there is like you know struggling to reconcile their their assets and liabilities now, right? Um, so uh you know one thing that i like that came out of this is that people are starting to question layer two bridges mm, interesting okay like so, the native, like, like the native optimism bridge 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. People people think it's secure, right? Uh, but here's the thing. Here's my doomsday scenario for optimism. I can it's, tell you don't think it's secure. <laughs> people, some some would say. <laughs> uh, some are asking. Um, uh, yeah. Here's here's my three step fucking doomsday for optimism. This is like not that hard, right? So um, step one, hack into the optimism because it's a centralized protocol, right? It's, it's not a company, financial advice, right? Yeah, don't don't do this. Step one would be to uh, like, please don't fucking do this. Step one would be to, uh, to <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> well, if you're going to do it, just do it for the lulls, but like, don't actually steal the assets. Step one would be to hack into like, they, they operate centralized fucking servers, right? On AWS somewhere. like Optimism's a fucking company. Um, hack into this company, right? Maybe you fucking work there as the security person, right? Like, uh, like obviously you'd probably get caught and go to jail, but like the fact that someone can do this, come on, um, hack into the, hack into the server, right? Step two, uh, change the ownership of the optimism, like bridge contract or whatever, such that optimisms like private keys are now your private keys. Okay. Okay. Don't you need to do that on chain? Like, don't you need to have um, a private key? Yeah. Well, you've hacked into their server. Now you have the private keys, right? Uh, well, that's assuming that they keep their private keys on their servers. I mean, they could. It's, I mean, I've heard of crazier shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, okay, sure. I mean, Dude, I literally I the doubt first story today was people keeping private keys on their servers. Um, I know. I don't but know. That's, Maybe that's... you blackmail someone and you get a key, right? Like what? Like here's the like it's a doomsday scenario, right? Mm, uh, okay, but like, okay. Uh, the thing is, okay, so wait, real quick, I'll, I will push back on that because most good security practices are like the private keys are sharded, right? Where it's like the the key is like the seed phrase, right? Like different, the ownership of like the seed phrase is split up, right? Right. Um, it, you know, so you don't just want to like if that was a real scenario, right? Where they do just have unencrypted plain text private keys on their servers like that's a real doomsday scenario like that would be abhorrent security practice like yeah uh, the first thing we talked about slope wallet they did do that but like the fact that it was such a big deal it like it was such a big deal because that's so that out there like nobody nobody practice, yeah. yeah like nobody does that right um but assuming that they do and Look, you get yeah, in there. What, like what, that. I'm, what I'm magnifying here, right, is uh, that, or what, I, what I'm trying to highlight is that, like, all it takes is having those private keys, right? And it's right, like right, one, okay. one sharded private key can do this. There's no underlying, well, we'll, we'll highlight why this is a problem. So, mm -hmm. okay, uh, yeah. So, what's the next step here? So, you change the, you change the uh, ownership owner of the of contract. The, like, yeah. And, and now you get to withdraw shit from okay. Optimism, right? Mm. And you submit a transaction to say withdraw, I don't know, everything, right? Mm -hmm. There's uh now our listener base is gonna dial in and they're gonna get they're gonna light up the Twitter comments with stuff like, Hey Matt, there's a, it's it's an optimistic roll-up, Matt. There's a seven-day period where you can submit a fraud proof. But guess what? You fucking can't. The fraud proof system is not live. It's still under development. It's under development for every layer two other than Arbitrum, right? Um, and like, so that means that nobody issues. can actually, nobody can actually dispute transactions right now. Right. Nope. They just, they're saying that at some point you will be able to dispute transactions, but right now you cannot. Yeah. Uh, it's like whatever one step beyond optimistic is, right. Mm. It's, uh, it's mm. real trusted? fucking optimistic. Trusted. <laughs> yeah. It's a trusted centralized <laughs> database. Like optimism mm. is a trust, trusted centralized database. Um, mm. so, uh, there, the other thing is that like the users are going to be like, ah, shit, like say optimism gets compromised and like the hacker hasn't quite figured out how to like withdraw shit yet. There's no way for a user to submit a transaction to withdraw anything uh, like optimism themselves have to be the ones allowing you to do that. So if optimism like doesn't like me because I'm like highlighting big security flaws um, in their model, like they can just hold my ETH there and like never let me withdraw it to, to mainnet. So hmm. it's trusted and permissioned and censorable. So um, here's the like here's the issue. That's like almost a billion dollars in TVL right there, right? And there's a centralized point of failure. And most people think that layer two bridges don't have that. 
it's just as bad as you know as nomad bridge right or mm. harmony bridge or anything really right like um, interesting yeah i mean literally I totally like, this is what happened with now. axie infinity right yeah they kept their they kept their private keys unencrypted on a machine that was connected to the internet right like or their key shards right like this is exactly the same scenario playing out uh but it could happen on optimism and optimism will uh like the the way that they've been marketing themselves will lead a lot of users to think that it's safer but it's exactly as dangerous i see yeah the the fact that there is that company that acts as that central point of failure i mean yeah, uh, if they do have that kind of plain text model, like that's horrible. But the point here being the point that you're making is that the fact that that central party does exist makes this not a decentralized like layer two solution, right? Like the hack here, yeah. if somebody wanted to get in there, it's like not as simple as this, but it's like a $5 wrench attack, right? Like you find the CEO of Optimism and it's like, yo, man, change the contract address to me or change the owner of the contract to me. Um, and yeah. like you're, you've, you've solved the issue there. Well, the um, fact of the matter is that it's possible, right? Which is very different from it being impossible. So mm -hmm. like, uh, like there's no cryptographic primitive. There's no tech that makes this any safer than just trusting someone. It's a trusted bridge. Right. The, mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's easy for people to it's easy to get caught up in the terminology and not understand what's going on and think that, like, you're uh, entitled to more security than you actually get with any protocol. Um, like on yeah. Bitcoin, people can't take your Bitcoin without your keys. Right. In a bridge, it's like, oh, man, there's one central party and they're effectively holding the keys for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Um. Okay. So yeah, just a lot of bridges, bridge, man. A lot of bridges getting lit up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, tough scene. All right, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's hit some NFT stuff, and then we'll get out of here. Um, yeah. So uh, Tiffany, Tiffany the uh, Tiffany and Co. Famous uh, jewel jewelry company. Um, making their first entry into the NFT game. Uh, they announced a limited collection of 250 uh, TIFF, NF TIFF is the name of the collection. Um, it's a uh, collection of Tiffany and CryptoPunk collab. It's like a CryptoPunk and Tiffany collab, basically. So this could only be minted if you already own a CryptoPunk. And basically what they did was they gave you this like cool like combination of a like Tiffany and like crypt like basically like a jewel of like your actual punk. And then it also came with like a physical diamond um, that was your punk. Um, it's like they actually pendant, look pretty right? dope. Yeah, it's like a pendant. Yeah, um, it look looks pretty cool. sweet. Yeah, they look really awesome. They sold them for 30 ETH, sold out immediately. Um, you know, I think. Like I, I tweeted this out, but I was like, I think people are not making uh, enough noise about this. Like, I think this is a massive deal. Um, you know, like if they can sell 30 ETH pendants uh, and 250 of them and like they can sell them out immediately, they know they have a strong customer base. Um, so I would assume that they're going to do a lot more of this. And I would assume that every fashion brand now gets in because they know they can like this is like the beginning of what you call product market fit in, you know, these like these companies. Right. So I, th I think this is going to be everywhere now. Um, I would be shocked if there isn't like this kind of collection, like happening every season, you know, either collaborating with like crypto, like either like NFT brands or collaborating with their existing like collaborators and just using the NFTs as a way to monetize. Um, yeah, I don't know. The one thing that I thought was notable was that if you read the actual licensing agreement, it's like Tiffany now owns all the IP rights to your punk if you do this. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're kidding. <laughs> so, you know, people like the uh, CryptoPunks community is like livid about this. Um, yeah. So it, was, it was super, super crazy to see that. Um I think that's all still unfolding and I think it's yet to be seen what's what's going to happen. I'm sure like, there was it a, back. Yeah. 
Yeah, like there was like, you know, with uh, Larva Labs generally, like there was a lot of IP issues previously uh, where you could only like monetize your CryptoPunk up to $100,000 um, and uh, like a bunch of other stuff. And then like Yuga Labs purchased the IP, they purchased Larva Labs and then they uh, opened that up, uh, let you do anything you want with it. Uh, and then now it looks like Tiffany wants to take those IP rights. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a really, really weird, weird situation that, uh, yeah, hasn't unfolded yet. But, <laughs> yeah, I was I was seeing like the, the screenshots of the actual uh, language. I was like, wait, what? Like, that can't be real. Um, but it is. It is. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. yeah, let's see more NFT stuff. Do you think 250 stuff. was enough? Should they have done 500? I think, you know, uh, you know, this is like what I do for work, uh, working with some of these brands. And I think there is a lot of hesitation or just a lot of concern around being able to sell out a full collection. Mm. Um, I think some of these brands are not really sure where they're incremental buyer is going to come from but i think that if they do it right like because i think that what a lot of these people have seen is like the pepsi or the anheuser bush it's just like a super low effort like no you know like no thought put into some of this stuff um but you see some of the celebrities that are getting in now um and like launching uh you know their own drops like a lot of it comes down to like they're attaching actual utility behind it stuff like that but you know, if you if you put real thought into it around like what the value add is of the brand in general, like what the brand represents, like there is something that you can do with an NFT, right? Like it's just, it's just another way to grant access um, or unique ownership. I think that if you really think think through this and like really apply like a unique way of looking at the technology, um, I think there's like a lot of potential there. But I think what the concern from a lot of these brands' points of view is that they just don't know what that like value add is. Like, what what are they going to bring to the table? And so they're not sure if they can sell out these collections. With this, I think it was a great idea. Like, they executed well too. So, yeah, like they could have easily done five hundred. Also, tar targeting CryptoPunks is really smart because you know these people are all very wealthy. Um, I actually think that targeting like apes, like this is why we don't see as many ape collections. It's like apes are a way more organic, like early NFT movement. That's why like when people lose their apes, it's like they lose their whole net worth in many cases. Like it's not like they have a lot of other money sitting on the side with punks. Hmm. Like it's, it's OG crypto people that are, that are into that. Um, so it's a much wealthier holder base, I would assume. Um, yeah, um, huh. that's that's my thesis here. Um, <laughs> anyways, okay, yeah, one more thing here with the NFT stuff. Magic Eden, the biggest marketplace on Solana, announcing they're gonna integrate uh, ETH, Ethereum-based NFTs. Um, yeah, I don't know. On the Nothing Burger. Yeah, I would say on the nothing burger to extremely relevant scale, this is like, I don't know, four, four point, four, Less than a four, bun. four out of ten. Yeah, it's yeah, like the it's, it's like okay. the nothing. It's a nothing <laughs> veggie wrap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's lettuce. a breakfast uh, taco. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's okay. Like the the market I mean, needs man, more competition. Poor, poor timing. Sure. Poor timing for these guys, right? Because they did it like the day of the slope wallet hack, and uh, the initially a lot of people thought it was an issue with Magic Eden um but like for yeah people were saying it was, that it was, it was very clearly not yeah mm -hmm. uh yeah like it wasn't like these things were getting routed through magic eden right like they were getting hey, magic eden is a great platform i love i love the product so i think it'd be great if there's more competition um it's a little laggy somebody that I wonder works if that's because of solana i was actually thinking that too when i when i was first using it um yeah but who knows like sometimes you try to buy something and it's like already sniped hmm. like my solamas <laughs> oh no um well the solama market is very uh very intense you know so maybe that's just a solama <laughs> thing <laughs> uh oh hold on we forgot one thing um 
ETH POW, uh, our favorite topic of all time, uh, mm -hmm. finally has its very first exchange listing confirmation. Poloniex, uh, one of the, I don't know, mid-tier, low-tier exchanges has confirmed that they will be listing it. Uh, the ticker is going to be ETHW. Terrible ticker. Um, yeah, horrible ticker. But I mean, what is it going to be? ETH POW? <laughs> so, I, I, thought, I thought ETH 1 would have been good. Yeah, ETH, ETH. Oh, yeah. Maybe you can't have numbers. No, you can. You can. One inch, right? So. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, hmm. But 0x is know. always listed as ZRX. <laughs> oh, true. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe, Who knows? maybe yeah. they've added number support. Um, anyway. This uh, is not a ticker uh, podcast. Um, you know what's interesting? You can, you can already trade yeah. derivatives of ETHW. Oh, on what? On FTX? On Poloniex. Or on DYDX? Oh, on Poloniex. Interesting. Yeah, what are they trading uh, at? I, I checked this morning. It was anywhere from 0.07 ETH to 0.11 ETH. Whoa. Super low. Yeah, fucking crazy. Uh, oh, super wow. high, right? Dude, that's 0. insane. ETH. Wait, really? It's really high. Yeah. Oh, 0.11 uh, so... is kind of high, but like we were, we were saying that it might be like 5% market cap, right? I was, I think I was saying like what, one to one to three. Oh, really? Okay. I was saying five. I guess um, I was wrong. Yeah. Um, no, no. I mean, yeah. yeah like, I, yeah, I think this is a fair price for right now. I think as we get now? closer, yeah. I think as we get closer, it'll go down. I would assume so. Um, like, okay. If there's, it's gotta if there's, be, right? it's gotta be like, dude, if there's futures already out here, that means that they have already talked to a lot of like market makers or big players who plan to dump or do it like do whatever they're gonna do like they're probably already talking like i'm sure this guy chandler guo is the guy who set this exchange listing up um yeah, so sure. i'm sure that the trade that's going to happen is um gonna start getting at least like gonna start getting priced in a little bit um to the futures market as we get closer to the merge um and so i would expect the price to change quite dramatically and you think can it we buy yeah, I think it dumps eventually. Can we buy VIX on this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the real options, giga brain please. move. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Can, how can we buy volatility options on this specific ticker? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what I want to know yes. is like, how does like what like um look to a degree like we're all just trading fucking like magical internet coins that don't really exist right but like mm. th this one actually doesn't exist yet uh like what like this is just people <laughs> putting like sw swapping numbers against one another for a thing mm -hmm. that like there's no clear like like what if there's two <laughs> right like <laughs> wait are you describing bitcoin right now <laughs> no i know i know um, um yeah i think that's a good place to wrap it you know magic internet money that's that's all it is thank you for tuning in to a magic internet money podcast this has been the decent crypto recap for august 7th we will be back in a few days with another deep dive probably on aptos till then stay decent financial advice legal advice investment advice or any other kind of advice uh, if you're looking for advice you are definitely in the wrong place uh, until next time stay decent <laughs>